This is Charlotte Donlin, and you're listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my first book, The Great Belonging, and my other writing and work at charlottedonlin.com. In 2007, my husband and I helped our kids dress up in their costumes. Then we all walked to a friend's house a few blocks away where several people were gathering to trick-or-treat together. My then four-year-old daughter dressed up as a princess fairy combination, and my son, who was almost three, dressed up as a fireman. This was our first Halloween trick-or-treating in that neighborhood. We had moved to a new house in the community that March, just seven months before the big night. I had always loved Halloween and was thrilled to spend the evening with several of our newish neighbors, many of whom were friends from our church. When we moved into this neighborhood, more than 30 homes in the blocks surrounding our home were owned by people who went to our church. There was this fantastic sense of community among those from our congregation who lived there, and my husband and I were thrilled to join them. When we arrived at the gathering spot more than 15 minutes before the official meeting time, I could tell something was off. The house was empty. No one was there. Everyone had already left and ventured out to collect candy and enjoy the night without my family. We looked down the street and could see a group that looked like the group we were supposed to be a part of. They were a good ways away, and because of the nature of trick-or-treating, the gap between them and us was only going to grow. There was no way that group full of children who wanted to fill their plastic pumpkin buckets was going to stop and wait for us to catch up. While my disappointment and anger simmered within me, my husband and kids and I struck out on our own. But after about 30 minutes, I told my husband I was too angry to continue. I grabbed our son, and we went home while my husband and daughter hit up more houses for miniature Kit Kat bars and fun-sized packs of Skittles. When my son and I arrived back at our house, I sat him on our living room floor with his candy and let him eat as much of it as he wanted, while I cried on our brown leather sofa. I have not been a very big fan of Halloween since that night. This situation may not seem like a big deal to you. You know, life doesn't work out sometimes the way you want it to. That's normal, and you should just deal with it and adjust to it and move on. But at the time, it was heartbreaking, and my spiraling brain and emotions went to a bad place. I felt alone that night. I felt like I wasn't important enough to wait for. My presence didn't matter, and I felt like an outsider. We were relatively new to the neighborhood, and while I thought we were assimilating pretty well, obviously I was wrong. If any of those moms in that group cared about me and my family, they would have waited for us. My heart was broken because I thought they cared, but in my mind, I had real evidence that they didn't care. On top of all of that angst, mothering a four-year-old and a two-year-old was hard for me. I had looked forward to this opportunity to parent my children and be with them in a community setting that would be enjoyable for all of us. Instead, my feelings were hurt, I felt left out, and I felt like a failure of a mother for not being able to rise above it all and just trick-or-treat like a normal mom. Has anything like this ever happened to you? If you're a mom, have you ever felt disconnected from a group of parents you wanted to be a part of? Have you ever felt like you had failed in a specific situation when you wanted so badly to mother in a certain way? And have you ever wanted to provide a positive and happy experience for your kids and it all just fell apart instead of working out the way you wanted it to? I've experienced a lot of loneliness in my 16-plus years of motherhood. That Halloween night is just one example of the loneliness of motherhood I've known. 
I've also felt lonely because I parent my kids differently than many of the parents in our circles. I felt lonely at women's retreats and other gatherings when all of the moms were talking about how great it was to be a mom, and I didn't think I could be honest about the difficulties I had experienced as a mother. I felt lonely at 4 p.m. on plenty of weekdays when I had been home with my kids all day and I still had another hour or two before my husband would arrive and help with the kids and provide some adult interaction. Some of the moms who filled out the anonymous survey for this episode described additional examples of loneliness of motherhood. One woman said, The mental load makes me lonely. I have three young kids, and often I just feel it's all on me. My husband is a great partner but works a lot, and the standards feel so high that are placed on mothers. I also have found it hard to make close friends during this frazzled, busy time. Another said, I remember once when a friend came to visit shortly after I had a baby. I was grateful for her company, and we chatted, and she held the baby for a while. I remember feeling obligated to smile and stay upbeat, and when I closed the door as she left, I burst into tears. I felt alone no matter what social circumstances surrounded me. And another mom adds, When my babies were very young, I think I was lonely but didn't know it because I was so busy. But my longing for my husband's return at the end of the day makes me realize that, among other feelings, I was lonely then. But now, with one married, the second one about to be, and our youngest about to graduate from high school, I often feel profoundly lonely. Even though I'm doing new and excellent work, and my husband and I are happily married and continuing to learn about each other. I just miss my children in their younger days, despite my happiness about where they are now. Sometimes it bottoms me right out. How could those days when they were younger and needed me be so utterly over? In episode one, I talked about how loneliness can't be put in a box. Loneliness is complex. It means different things to different people at different times, and those meanings can shift based on circumstances and seasons of life. My circumstances during Halloween night of 2007 were not ideal. I was still recovering from a move. We were in the middle of some major church drama, and I was weeks away from my first manic episode and a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. But the loneliness I felt that night was very real. If I was in a healthier place that night, I probably still would have felt lonely, but maybe it wouldn't have been so intense. Maybe I would have been able to bounce back and make the most of trick-or-treating with my family. Maybe not. One thing that helps me now when feelings of loneliness bubble up is to ask a question a former therapist taught me to ask about eight years ago. Now, when I'm struggling with loneliness or other difficult circumstances, I try to ask, what is God up to? This helps me inhabit a posture of curiosity in the midst of difficulty or suffering. Instead of asking, why am I lonely again? Why am I suffering again? Why does God seem so far away? I ask, what is God up to? Asking that question doesn't mean I'll find the answer, but it usually helps me see more of the larger picture. It helps me believe that more is happening than I can see happening. So what difficult circumstances do you face right now? Is your situation making your sense of loneliness more intense? Do you feel far from God and far from people? Try asking, what is God up to? Try sitting with the silence that may come while you wait for an answer. I pray while you ask this question and while you wait for an answer, 
that you will be filled with hope and at least a mustard seed of faith that God is God and God is good. I want to share something Kathleen Norris wrote about loneliness in her book, The Cloister Walk. I watched ice form on the river outside my window one Sunday afternoon and felt loneliness more intense than I could remember since childhood. The day had grown incredibly still, so deep it seemed poised at the edge of eternity, nearly empty. I could not hope to fill myself, certainly not with human companionship, and I began to sense that this was exactly as it should be. God wanted me empty, alone, silent, and watchful. I was suffering from both severe laryngitis and a lame leg and had to laugh at myself, wondering if I was really so dense that God had to resort to these extremes in order to get me to shut up and be still. Now, maybe God isn't asking you to shut up and be still, but He's doing something. I hope you ask Him what that might be. Thanks for listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my writing and work at charlottedonlin.com.